Hello, Lindsay. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Great. Did you have any interesting parenting moments this week here in Berlin? Nat broke his wrist playing soccer at a pickup soccer game outside with a bunch of kids and dads that we didn't really know. He was the goalie. He had goalie goalie gloves, goalie hand shoes, I was going to say. (laughs) Hand shoes means gloves. of, Of the German word, handschuhe. He was wearing goalie gloves and the ball came against his hand in the wrong way. And the doctor later at the doctor's office told us that young bones are like green growth of plants and that they'll snap on the inside without really breaking on the outside. We took him to the hospital right away. They just looked at it. There were three doctors that came and looked at it and all of them said, oh yeah, looks fine. Good thing he was wearing the gloves. That means that he doesn't have a... Three days later, a friend of mine who works in a in a hospital setting, rehabilitating people who have injuries, uh-huh. said, I need to talk to you about Nat. You know, wait, wait. So let me, yeah. the, when you took him to the emergency room, yeah. no x-ray. No x-ray. Wow. Okay. So my friend says, I need to talk to you about Nat, which a parent never wants to hear. You know, <laughs> you never want to hear, I need to talk to you about your kid. Right. It's like, okay. And she said, his hand looks horrible. I'm worried he needs surgery. Oh, you no. Need, she said, I'm going to give you a list of records recommended doctors because you don't want to just go anywhere. Hands are such sensitive pieces of equipment and oh, is she a doctor? Sure. Well, she's she's not a doctor, but she works with doctors. She's okay. trained she's trained in um in physical therapy and ah. working with people to get full range of mobility mobility back after they've had an accident. And so then I I went to one of her recommendations where they looked at Nat for half a second said okay this needs to be x-rayed and they looked at the x-ray for another half second and said it is obviously broken well so so the first doctors will let you go drink some herbal tea and rest kind of (laughs) what you what you normally get right what you normally get when you go to the doctor here kind of just like that's true let nature take its course definitely was not the case when it comes to a, a kid in a broken hand so my son broke his finger um on the playground not too long ago and I was more of the kind of hands off oh whatever doesn't look too bad you know you I'm learned sure your lessons here in Germany I've been did. told often enough stop panicking I it's fine did and part of it is that I have to go to the office to work I'm more of the like oh tough it out if you don't have a fever you're fine if you can move your hand it's probably not broken I had the day off work the next day I called the doctor's office and like I have some free time to fit you in (laughs) right (laughs) right you can see how your finger's doing right so actually the the place where the orthopedic where they told us to go was right around the corner and they did an x-ray in fact it was broken I felt very humbled okay I need to really on these kind of things follow it up how much effort needs to go in to go into the doctor here they require to follow up every two days so luckily Hmm, I was working from home that week so I could take him to the appointments but if I had been working that's you have to take off work it's it's tough when you hear my story hopefully it calms you a little bit about not reacting immediately I mean Nat was with a broken wrist for three days (laughs) going to school doing sports Right, right. I, I I mean, my son was the night he heard it, he was, you know, playing video games and he, he said it hurt a little bit, but not too bad. 
But the doctor's office, there was a woman there who did not speak German. And she was complaining super loud. You know, why can't you explain to me what's wrong? And it turns out there was another patient there who stepped in and ended up interpreting for her between the doctors and the nurses and this woman. I think that ties into what we're going to talk about today. Interesting. How did it go for her? I mean, she was really demanding. I probably would not have been so demanding in that situation. I probably would have pulled out my phone and said, hey, I'm going to try and Google Translate this. She was not having that. She made it their problem. Like, did they push back on that? They were. They were aggressively, you know, I could understand. And they were saying like, look, we've told you what to do in German. And I think they had lost patience too, Mm -hmm. because, you know, they're educated and trained in their language in something that can be intricate. You know, we were hired because of our medical skills, not necessarily our language skills. And you're taking up our time. You need to perhaps bring a translator next time to help yourself. But it is something that I thought about when I was in the doctor's office this week. Like, what would I do right now if I didn't understand what they were saying to me? Just the the way they the way they talked to all the patients. Anyway, I felt like it was very aggressive, and I was speaking their language. It ties in then, like you said, to what we want to talk about this week. Right. Let's do introductions first. I'm Michelle, and I am from Western New York. It's a suburban area in America, and I grew up in a pretty conservative family, um, but liberal schools. So um, I came to Berlin about seven years ago. I speak German around a B1 level at this point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I'm Lindsay. I'm also from the United States, from Chicago, or a suburb of of Chicago, which I think is funny because in the early uh, episodes, we were like, we're so different, we're so different, which I thought was like, it seems like an SNL skit a little bit because... Because I'm saying, I'm from the U.S. And you're like, I'm from the U.S. And oh, yeah, look, we're so different. <laughs> but somehow we still are. We still are in, in many ways. And I think we look at things from different perspectives based on our backgrounds and also from the amount of time we've been here. Yeah. And, and that's yeah. that's really going to bring an influence in how we see the German language and raising kids right now because I came here before I had kids. Ah, but uh, first, let me just say, you're listening to Kids in Berlin Surviving as Expat Parents. Today, we're talking around the question, should I speak German to my kid? And we want to use this question as a springboard to talk more about just the challenges of being in a different language here and how that influences our parenting choices. When I came here, I had plenty of time for myself. I was able to take a course to help my German I was really able to focus on improving myself and looking around, where do I fit in? What opportunities do I have? What options do I have? I had five years to do that before I then brought children into my chaotic. (laughs) Well, it wasn't chaotic before. Before I created chaos by having children. (laughs) Whereas, Michelle, you already had Um, I had a two-year-old when I moved here. You were thrown into it. I was thrown into it. So what were your first... What what do you remember of your first impressions Mm -hmm. here? I mean, first of all, I was really excited because I had heard wonderful things about Berlin. I had been living in Pakistan where I was working as a journalist, and the environment there was completely different in terms of, I would just say like the radius around me. Um, It was a place where I needed a car, where I needed security to go places. Um, And that is just kind of a, a general rule for women just to be safe. The sidewalks are kind of uneven or there's not even sidewalks. 
it's it's just a place where I Even had more than here because oh. there are so many signs here where it says like "gewig beschädigt," you know, which means. There's sidewalk problems. It's a different level. You can't even compare. Really? You can't even okay. compare. Like, and, you know, I couldn't use public transportation there. Um, not at all. Not at all. Moving here, I felt a great amount of freedom. Like, I could go walk to the store. I could go for a jog. I could go on big, long stroller rides with my son. I knew that I wanted to be able to work. And when Bear was two years old, he went straight into Kita, which is daycare. And we daycare. have an episode on that. So check out our first episode if you want to hear more about the Kita experience. Right, right. And so I wasn't able to communicate that well with the teachers. I mean, I did a little bit of preparation, probably like a little bit of Babbel uh, online German before I got here. But uh, Babbel as in the website, not Babbel as in like you being condescending to babbling your- to people. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I just, you know, did a few online things, but um, not I didn't have a whole lot of time because I was working throughout this whole transition as well. So when you talk about taking care of a kid plus working, it's just takes up a lot of mind space and learning language takes mind space. Anyway, the teachers at the Kita told me, please do not speak German to your son, which was a big WTF Uh. moment for me because I'm thinking, okay, I, I need to expose him to the language and need to try and show him I'm willing to try. But their concern was that if I spoke incorrect German to him, then he would grow up speaking incorrect German that would be difficult to correct later. So they wanted a clear line between Muttersprache, which is your mother tongue at home, and then German language, which would be at school. Now, they did say, hey, you know, if he watches TV, make sure it's German language TV. Um, have German books in your home. But they they were pretty clear in saying, like, don't try and speak German to your son. Which is, yeah, I, I heard that a lot too. And it's a fear that I had before I had kids of my own. Mm-hmm. The father of, of my kids had um, godchildren, three of them in three different families. And so I had exposure to German kids. Mm -hmm. And I had this fear. Like, I felt like, oh, I can't speak to them because they're gonna, it's gonna ruin them somehow. I don't know. Like, I felt, I felt like they shouldn't be hearing my imperfect German. But reflecting on that, like, there's no part of me that thinks like, when people speak to my children in English, it better be 100% perfect. Yeah, I never thought of it that way. But I, to me, it was, it was a bit of a relief it took yeah. the pressure off a bit. Okay, fine. They're going to take care of it. And maybe I should have had a little bit more pressure on myself. There have been studies that show that the children from the very beginning can distinguish who has mastered, quote unquote, the use of a language and who is struggling with it. Who's, who is using a language consistently and following a set of rules and who is using a language inconsistently and following no set of rules. I mean, I make tons of mistakes when I speak German and my kids make fun of me for it. They haven't integrated it into the way that they talk. There's not a part of their brain that thinks, oh, that must be the way that I should say it. No, there's the part of their brain that says, oh, my mom sounds different. Now I need to make fun of her. Trustworthy speakers and not trustworthy speakers. That's what their brain is automatically categorizing, which is why you can, you can't ruin your child's language. If you were the only person speaking German 
in Bear's life, then yeah, that would be his exposure to German. But he's in a German environment. There's no way you can ruin his hold on the language by using German with him. Well, I did read German children's books to him. That was probably how I got uh-huh. my basis in German, is we went to the library and just got a ton of easy-to-read German books. And probably my pronunciation wasn't great, but that's what gave me a basis in the language. And I think he grew up into being loving book reading mm-hmm. um, in both German and English. And in fact, he taught himself to read in English after learning in German because it's easier to learn to read in German. That's a really good point. I noticed that with my kids too, now that they've both learned to read, I am so thankful that they learned German and that I didn't have to go through the stress of teaching English. English seems like a really difficult language to support a child in learning because there are so many exceptions and so many letter combinations that That are silent. Yes. Yeah. In German, you you read as you see. Yeah. There there are very few letters. Very strict rules, just like in anything in German society. There are (laughs) few exceptions. So did you have any (laughs) WTF moments, though, when it came to speaking German to your child, not being a mother tongue German speaker? You know, when I when I had kids, like like I said, the transition was already there. I was already a German speaker. I mean, I wasn't. Obviously, I will never be a native German speaker. But my English has the the quality of my English has also really decreased. I noticed that listening back to the podcast, I'm like, my preposition use is so horrible when I'm speaking freely. I'm like, why did I use that word there? I notice it in playback, but while I'm speaking, I don't notice that I'm using the wrong. So, Lindsay, and- I guess you're not allowed to speak to Bear anymore. Yeah, I know. You're not- I'm not absolutely correctly. (laughs) (laughs) When I first had kids, I had already worked in a completely German environment. I was Mm. coming from having a job in a German company where I was one of two Americans who worked there. And so I had already been pretty fully submerged in the language. And my grammar has improved a lot since having kids because my kids correct me when I make mistakes. They are like walk around. They're they're personal tutors. They just follow me everywhere. Fantastic. Live in tutors. A luxury. I want that. I want that. <laughs> you don't really, because they don't say it nicely. It's they they <laughs> It kind of feels like two little bullies following me around, commenting on on my mistakes. So what do you think are the advantages of speaking German to your kid, even if it's not your mother tongue? When you're in public and you have a different language that you're using with your child, then you immediately, with this language, are creating a bubble around you. English, it's a little bit different. Sometimes you're creating like a stage because there are people that are really excited to hear English because they they feel like, oh, I know English. I have very little opportunity to practice. And now I can kind of insert myself into this. But it's not in an authentic way. It's just you're either on a stage because people are trying to practice their their English by listening in on what you're saying and it's kind of awkward or you're in a bubble because the people around you don't feel like they are meant or addressed, which was hard on playgrounds, which is why our social language was always German. Whenever we were with a group of people, I always spoke German to mm. my kids. Okay, fantastic. Did you have any advantages about with um, with speaking English in the beginning? I mean, the advantage is that I have a strong relationship with my son, and I, I, that was how we communicated. We've mm-hmm. never tried to use German as our 
communication language. We've never ever changed our language because other people can't really speak it, except we have started. Now that he has German friends coming over to our house for playdates, then I say, hey, we're speaking German now. Yeah. Because I agree with you. It is, if you know that you are speaking a language different than the other people, they feel excluded. Mm -hmm. I've been in that situation many times, and I think it is only polite to try and speak the language that everyone understands, even if it's not comfortable. Now, my son has had a lot of resistance to German. He did not, and will continue to say he doesn't like to speak it, although he's now completely fluent. And that's been an emotional thing for him. Language is so emotional, that's, you know? Yeah. English w is has been the language where- It can provide comfort. It can yes. make you feel awkward. Right. And he has many friends who do speak English, who are mother tongue English speakers, because it happens to be that our friendship circle is mainly native English speakers, because that's what I've been able to build based on, on you know, the amount of time I've had and my ability in English. And um, it's only recently that his German has gotten better that now we have kids who speak German coming over. And so I do try now when we are in situations where German is the majority spoke language to do that because we need to be as inclusive as possible. I mean, I, I used to be afraid that if I did try, I would mess up his German. And now I'm at a disadvantage because he's now... If we're going to live here for another 10 years, I'll only be at a disadvantage if I don't improve my language skill. Yeah, and you didn't have the luxury of, of really focusing on yourself when you first came here. You were I, immediately thrown into the deep end of having to deal with so much bureaucracy, not just for yourself, but for another human being who needed a lot of help getting into the system. That's right. And then uh, at my job, uh, it is a bilingual workplace, but everybody speaks English. That is generally the working language. The rule at the company is you are supposed to be able to speak in your mother tongue and be understood. I am the producer of a television show, so I need to work with the crew and tell them when to do different things, camera moves and stuff like that, and and just have a conversation which I can basically you know, manage now. Um, but the pressure hasn't been on to be able to have in-depth conversations in German, and I want to. I want to get there. We are very privileged to have English as our foreign language coming here to Germany, because it's for many people in Germany, they're proud that they can speak English too. And if you try to speak German to a lot of people, they will switch to English for you because they want a chance to practice. They want to show off. Yes, I always try and start the conversation in German. Generally, people will switch over because they can tell my accent and I have to say, no, please speak in German with me. Mm. I need the practice. It's interesting. A lot of people have a, a rightly judged stereotype of Americans here that they don't make any effort to try and learn the language. People, when they, they can't tell what accent I have, a lot of people guess French or Spanish or Italian or Dutch. And then when I say, no, the US, I hear, yeah, that is a US accent. I just never hear American speaking German. <laughs> so, in, you know, but in fact, that privilege that we have in speaking kind of a world language vernacular English is a disadvantage. If we don't decide to put in the work, it can make you complacent. German pop quiz. Okay. <laughs> I don't have too many words uh, left over now because I some on the list you've already mentioned. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, we can so, always use yeah, a review. Well, Funk done. Yeah. All right. So, B1. 
Bay Eins means B1, and that is the <laughs> level of German that you need to reach in order to qualify for permanent residency. And what does that actually mean? So I've, I've read about it, and basically you can have simple conversations. Um, you often make mistakes with your grammar, but you can be basically understood and you can write a, a short letter to someone or a short email, um, even like a, an apartment notice or a job notice, yeah. that kind of thing. And it's also about it, the difficulty level for the person who's trying to communicate with you is low. <laughs> That's also <laughs> part of it, that you're not putting an extra burden on somebody else. <laughs> trying to understand you. Right, right. And that's that's the general sense I get, you know, when I when I'm out in public and I'm talking, people say, "Yeah, I can get the gist of what you're saying." Yeah. Yeah. B1. Yeah. Be eins. Be eins. <laughs> really good. Yeah. And then um the difference between Fremdsprache and Zweite Sprache. Okay, so Fremdsprache is a foreign language and Zweite Sprache is your second language. Yeah. And it's funny in I think in Germany we talk more about zweite, dritte, vierte Sprache, so a second, third, or fourth language, and much less about foreign language. Like, I don't really hear people talking about Fremdsprache or foreign language here. Where I work, it's it's a media house, and there's so many different languages that people, people speak there, so Fremdsprache doesn't seem like a strange word to me. Okay. I don't know. But I think foreign language would more be a language that you don't know at all. Like, you wouldn't say, like, do you speak a foreign language here in German, I think. Like, sprichst du eine Fremdsprache? Like, I've never heard that. Like, I, I hear people ask instead, like, what what other languages do you speak? Or do you have a do you have a third language? That makes sense. That I think that's a very European yeah. viewpoint in that it's normal for people to speak more than one language, whereas in the U.S. Yeah, everything's so foreign. Yeah. Why do you speak a foreign language? Well, I mean, it's it's more normal it that, that people might speak Spanish there. And I think there's a lot of immigrant families where, yes, mm. they, they do speak a second language, but the vast majority of Americans only speak English. You can find so much more opportunity here to speak a second or third or fourth language in, Absolutely. in Germany than you have opportunities for in the U.S. It is more integrated into the lifestyle and the language. Absolutely. Yeah. They're talking about, the current government is talking about making English one of the official languages here because they are trying to make it more attractive for skilled workers to come live in Germany. And a lot of what people complain about is the bureaucracy that makes it very difficult. But at the end of the day, to really integrate, it's going to put off the pressure to learn the language. And Muttersprache. Muttersprache is your mother tongue. So that's, uh, for me, that's English. For Lindsay, that's English. And then, you know, what your mother speaks to you when you're a baby. Yeah, and I think it's funny that it's the same concept in both, that mother is in both. All right, that was our pop quiz for today. There are also two different categories of places that we find ourselves. Like we have our free time to use German, and we have official situations where we have to use German. How do you... So when I was really studying for my B1 test, I made an extra special effort to invite more German into my free time. And um, I found it actually watching something like Netflix very frustrating because the subtitles do not match exactly what people say. And that's the kind of reinforcement that I wanted. And everyone said, oh yeah, watch TV shows. That's how I'm gonna, that's how you learn your German. And the one show that I found that I really enjoyed that actually worked for me is called Mord uh, mit Aussicht, which means murder with a view. It's kind of like murder she wrote. Um, so the subtitles wow, match exactly. So into these murder and mysteries. I love it. And it was so fun. <laughs> I it was, I spent a summer just watching that. The characters were hilarious. 
And it was, of course, like the murder rate went up by like 2000% after this female cop moved to the countryside and, you know, started solving the murders. But what I enjoyed is that the subtitles matched what they said. So I really could reinforce that. Any other German content that I invite into my life is generally like a spy series or something that's popular that I'll watch on Netflix with English subtitles. Um, and, and I do love going to the theater here. The theater's amazing and they have English surtitles. So I will... What's a surtitle? It means it's not under, like it's over the stage rather than below as you're ah, used to looking at a so movie. Funny. Okay. And I find that incredibly enjoyable to go and, and um, listen in German what's happening, but also really have the understanding for me over in English. So there's many opportunities that you can have culturally to invite German into your life. You just got to be open to it. How about you? I make sure to routinely read books in German because I noticed that when I have the German long form sentences in my head, then it helps my German when I'm speaking. And I noticed that I really need to do that with English more often now because my vocabulary is suffering in English. And it's not like it's then great in German. Like a lot of times I feel like I just don't have a language anymore that I'm actually fluent in, where I feel like I'm doing a great job of expressing myself. But yeah, books I think are a great way of just getting the structure of a language ingrained in your brain. But I want to come back to that point you were making about the subtitles differing from what you were actually hearing the people saying and that it was confusing because I think a lot about that, about literal versus cultural translations. Mm -hmm. And I think when I first moved here, I was not clear on the fact that there was a difference between the two. I just thought you translate the language word for word and then you have it. But the classic example for the cultural difference in between English and German is when we greet each other in English, we say, how are you? And how are you means hi. And if you want to translate how are you into German, it's wie geht's dir? Yes. But if you say wie geht's dir to somebody, you're not just saying hi. <laughs> You're asking, really, how are you doing? And that is a cultural detail to the translation that you really need to know. Otherwise, you look so stupid. Oh, I probably <laughs> do. Look, oh, and it's such a signifier that you're American. Like, yeah. oh, boy, here comes a literal American translation getting into my personal life rather than saying hi. And the way you say hi is klustisch, right? Well, it's one way. I mean, there are plenty of ways. Like you could say, like, Grustisch is greet you, mm -hmm. <laughs> literally. And yep. that's, that's also something like, then if they think, okay, I want to go to the US and say Grustisch and they say greet you, that's going to be just as, as ridiculous because we don't have that in our culture as a greeting. We yes, have, but I don't uh, think that's so easy to fall into because like there's so many movies where you see people saying, hi, hi. Well, you exactly. Know? That's our advantage that we yeah. have exported our culture here. And right. so they're not going to make the same mistakes that, that we are but for example when i say the gates dear somebody the answer is not ah oh, hey good they really think about oh yeah how am i doing and it's See, an honest answer that's that's not my experience because normally when i would say that probably make that cultural like what do we call that a false friend yeah um it'd be at the kitchen at work and i think so many germans there encounter so many americans 
who who I will say like be Gates and they're like yeah Mir Gates good like it it, okay, it so becomes casual like that so I think so you because you work in an international environment everybody's kind of taken on this American way of relating like casual to it. like oh yeah doesn't really mean yeah. anything except hi okay <laughs> but it also wouldn't be weird to ask your co- coworkers like how are you doing I mean that's also okay there but you like if you go into a, a store you would never ever say like hey how are you doing got like, it okay yeah, so be Gates yep. dear yeah and that was something that just totally (laughs) came at me (laughs) when I had been living here only about two years and I went back to the U.S. to Chicago and I would go into stores and they would say, hey, how are you doing? I reacted in such a German way. I was just like, like deer in headlights, like, what do they want from me? What are they expecting? (laughs) I don't know them. I don't know these people. Why are they wondering what's going on with me? How am I supposed to react? Wow. <laughs> and I realized, yeah, I was I was born for this culture. <laughs> you yes. Yes. You're changing. You're, yeah, you're fitting right in. I think I was already like that, but I finally found that. that yeah, but the but I think I think we encounter that more than we are even aware of and me too still that mm. this difference between what you are saying and what you're actually communicating that there's a difference with that. Yes. Can I, can I tell one moment yeah. when that happened? Um, so this was in the key to years when I was still very, very in baby German stage. And uh, there was a kid who was uh, really a roughhouser, you know, and um, I, I wanted to try and cozy up to the parents just so I could maybe have an opportunity to say, hey, like, you know, my son's coming home with some bruises. Can we talk about it? So American, this story. Right, right. right. I just wanted to just very lightly, gently work up to a conversation. (laughs) Hey, is it okay for you guys if your kid doesn't give my kid bruises? Right. (laughs) I I, I don't even know if that was... I just wanted to get to know them because, like, I I felt like my son talked about him a lot and, like, it was tense. And I knew... It's nice. Well, from my experience, it's better to go through the teacher. And and I think I did. But I just wanted to cozy up to yeah. to assess you know I totally understand so I um I tried to initiate a conversation um the the woman had her son in a stroller and I walked up with my son and I really don't remember what I said probably I might have looked on my phone in Google Translate for a little bit of something to say um but anyway she looked up at me really disparagingly and said keine Ahnung and then looked at her son and then, like, looked up to me and said, like, yeah, kind of anong. That's the only thing I remember that she was saying that I could kind of form in my head is two words. And it was really dismissive. And I said, okay, um, well, I guess this isn't working. And so then I went and looked on my phone. I looked up kind of anong. What does that mean? And it means, like, no idea. And um, it was just it was really hurtful because I felt like I had tried to make an effort to get to know somebody and was like squarely rejected and maybe bad vibes. It was bad vibes. Yeah. I would say then you found your answer of why that kid was giving your kid bruises. (laughs) Right. It was in the family. Right. I had another bad vibes story. I went to the post office and I had to get a very special envelope to uh, send to the U S embassy to get my passport back. And I went up to the counter. I had a picture of the envelope. I tried in my very best German. I think it was like the first six months I was here to ask for it. And um, the woman at the counter just, you know, shook her head at me. And then um, I, I tried again. And then she said something like, what do you speak in Chinese? Like, 
I, I don't get anything you're saying. And and so I I just was really taken aback by that. Yeah, like, and which wow. goes against the stories that we were telling before about how everybody's open to English and wants to prove that they know English. It's There are two kind of, because Germany was in East and West, East Germans learned Russian. Mm. And they, it I think to psychoanalyze what's happening here. I think it is also that they feel at a disadvantage because their Western counterparts learned English in school. They learned Russian. Russian isn't really getting them anywhere these days. And when somebody comes and speaks English to them, they they didn't have English in school. They have very, very basic understanding of English. And I do think to psychoanalyze it, I think it is a reflection of just uncomfortable feelings with the history of of Berlin and how that developed. And so there are two different worlds of reactions Yeah, to give context to that, because that is also a very common situation did you did you have any bad vibes uh when you were trying to exist here in a german world and and learning in your learning days yeah plenty there are so many dismissive reactions that i had especially when it was especially with older generations where like i said i think they really are feeling uncomfortable with their lack of knowledge of the language because it is so prevalent and so then there there are a lot of people that give pushback to it which i i don't i'm not saying this in a judgmental way at all i think it's i mean we are in germany the thing that is i consider a very bad vibe is the part of the culture that i've noticed is sometimes you really do have to be rude to somebody to get them to respect you and i think that's that surprises me every time. You cannot get a helpful response until you push back against the other person. And then immediately you're greeted with friendliness. I would have to agree with you there. I've had a few instances where, and I will say this, like, I am not the innocent lamb here who's going to the slaughter. <laughs> like, you know, it's my responsibility to be able to communicate. I need to make efforts. I can't just come here and expect that life will be hunky-dory because I'm an English-speaking American. Like that's that's really arrogant and it's not a good good way to approach life. I have been in instances where I've really made an effort in German to be understood. And I know that I'm being dismissed because of my language skills. And I just really have, that's when you have to go to the core of who you are and no, like as a human being, I deserve respect and you're going to sit and listen to me until we work this out. Yeah. And and after I stood my ground, then those people have come back to me and been like, okay, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna work it out. Yeah, I actually have also had to say to people, like I feel like there's some strange tension between us right now. And I think it is because I'm speaking with an accent. I think in the United States, I also have seen a lot of racist reactions to people's language skills that aren't. It it also feels a little bit awkward speaking from this privileged privileged position in Berlin about something that the U.S. perpetrates a lot to other people who try to come in. I think. Yeah, I'm sitting here and nodding my head to everything that Lindsay has said. This is an experience that I will talk about to other Americans. Yeah. And, and share and say like you know, we really need to try and come together and meet somebody halfway as much as we can, even if they're not speaking our language, because... Yeah, and to appreciate language that doesn't rely on words all the time. I mm. mean, we have so many forms of nonverbal communication. When people are open to it, 
you can go into a bakery and not say a single word and still get what you want in a friendly way. And sometimes I think that we should step away a little bit from this idea that, no, I want to hear everything in a perfect way. I think people need to get off this idea that people in the United States need to be speaking a certain level of English or a certain way of English. It's like, no, focus more on the communication. And it it opens you too for more creative processes in how you interact with the world. Amen, Lindsay, amen. Yeah. All right. And what about... Let's get away from these bad vibes and let's look at what what are some like really nice moments we've had mm-hmm. dealing with German as our mm-hmm. second language or foreign language. Mm-hmm. I I think um, I mean, I have to give a shout out to you. You came to several Kita appointments with oh, yeah. me and translated. And other friends uh, have done that for me as well. And um, as I was learning B1, I decided I need to crowdsource this. I need to try and find a way that I can, based on all the demands of my time, make more relationships that can help me do this. And so I reached out to my colleagues at work and I said, hey, I'm doing this German homework can I reach out to you once a week, send you my homework and ask you to correct it for me? Mm-hmm. And so I did that and I hit up everybody probably about two times each. And they were so kind to send my homework back with ideas of how I could really say this. One woman referred me to her father who's retired who, and I had a nice email correspondence with him. Aww, and sweet. over time they helped me improve my German. And so I know there are so many people who want to help, who are so willing. All you have to do is ask. And um, that has, I crowdsourced getting to my B1. I mean, you can do it. And that's, that's how to, there's a crowd here of German people who are totally willing to help you. I think it's just being able to ask and make sure you're respecting their time. Yeah, that's very sweet. How about you? What's a shout out as you were learning German? Or A shout out is definitely to a friend of mine who I'm not really so much in touch with anymore, but she was so patient when I was trying to talk about more complicated issues. I had one friend who really took the time and just listened with so much patience and then was able to rephrase what I was saying and give me the words that I was looking for. And that was really helpful for me and also for my confidence. And then I also have somebody who I work with who I also think like, and when she repeats back to me what I've said, it's so beautiful. Like it's just, it's exactly what I wanted to say and so well packaged with the exact right words. And I'm very thankful to people who have the skill of listening so well and then having the vocabulary themselves that they can mm-hmm. package that, package my ideas so nicely for me. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a question that you sometimes wish that you were living in an all English environment, or do you feel like you get enough advantages out of living in a German environment? Sometimes I wish I was living in an all-German environment because then I would be forced to speak it. Oh, okay, that way. Yeah. Yes. Uh, at this point, that's that's kind of where I'm at because my desire to improve my German is so great. But, um, I mean, I have to say I'm a, a working mother, single mother. Um, so the amount of time and energy I have at the end of the day, honestly, the last thing I want to do is spend an hour or two hours learning German. I just 
don't have the mind capacity. I just want to lie on the couch and watch Netflix or get ahead on my taxes or something. Um, so I, I really find it fun when I am understanding the language, when I encounter different people and different experiences. So um, yeah, in, in some ways it would be easier in terms of bureaucracy, in terms of medical care, um, but I also find it an exciting adventure. So how about you? I cannot imagine living in a language that I grew up with anymore. I don't know why, but it seems like it it seems like when I first moved here, I had this thought of before I actually knew German, before I could really speak German, and I moved here and I was at a social event, like a small party, and I was looking around at all these people and they were sort of making small small talk with each other, but a lot of them weren't really finding anything to talk about. And I remember just looking at all of them and thinking like, wow, I mean, it's amazing that you can share a language with somebody but still have nothing to say. And then later finding myself in an all English environment, and then reflecting on that and thinking, yeah, and here I also, like, now I have the words to say what I could, like, I could say anything. But anyway, I mean, basically what I want to say is it, it wasn't language that was making me feel a discomfort or a comfort in a social setting. Um, and that it's really about, you know, the feeling you have to the place you're in and if you want to connect to it. The language gives you that tool that you need to connect with your surroundings, but the feeling of, do I want to connect with my surroundings is independent from the language it's in. And so I'm really happy to have found a place that I really want to connect to, and I'm happy to have a level of German that lets me do that. Well, it's so interesting you should talk about social situations. I've lived in several countries now where the main language is not English and gone to parties where people are speaking to each other in different languages. And it almost felt like an excuse that I don't have to be so involved, mm. that I don't have to formulate opinions that I have to defend. And I wonder if that's been a disadvantage to me mm. um, and it's made me recede a little bit, whereas I really should be out there willing to make mistakes even in whatever language it is, or even in English, and and be ready to take whatever feedback is there. I think um, I it has created sometimes some walls for me to engage in a debate type conversation because I've been like, oh, I'm just here to listen, be more of a talker, no matter what, mm -hmm. um, because that's the only way I'm going to learn and have a voice in a conversation at a time in the world when it's very important to make sure that your voice is being heard, especially when we're talking about, I would say, tolerance. If you compare how you are now to when you first moved here, do you feel like your ability to talk and make mistakes has grown over time or do you still have the same? I think definitely in social situations, like I'll go to a party and I'll speak in German 
and make some mistakes, but not necessarily yet in other situations. Still an ongoing process. Yeah. Part of me wants to just go live with a family in the countryside who doesn't speak English for like three weeks, where all I hear is German, where I'm forced to speak German. And I think that would really make a difference for me. And there is a program that lets you do that. So I'm I'm really going to check it out. Ah, Funny. Okay. But let's like flashback then what you had an experience like that. I did. I was an exchange student uh, in France when I was 17. And I had always had a dream to go to France. It was ever since we went to the Epcot Center when I was a little girl in Florida. And they had France World and they wow. served chocolate mousse cups and, and they had a little castle. And I thought, okay, I'm going I to don't France. Just think. And I remember being so disappointed when I landed in the airplane and I looked outside. It wasn't Disney. Because there was no castle like right outside the plane window. <laughs> you know? I think that's what Disney does to kids about everything. Like I was really disappointed the first time I went into the rainforest that it was not like Tarzan. I went to go live with this family. And I remember the first week there feeling so out of it. You know, I could not converse. I I thought I'm a smart person and yet they can't tell because I can't communicate. Mm -hmm. But just by being forced to speak. Anyway, so so I have been through an experience learning another language where, but I was younger and didn't have so much responsibility. So how about, how about you? Did you um, have any flashbacks? No, I have the only thing I think about when I think about lang- like a children in a different language is I remember being at other people's homes where they had a different language in their home. And I do remember feeling really uncomfortable when I couldn't understand what was happening because it's already, you know, you're a guest in somebody else's house. And then you're trying to understand what's going on in the context. It's kind of like being in a different country on the small scale, right? Like going into somebody's home, not understanding their culture, not understanding what they're saying to each other, feeling alone, not having anyone to turn to. What do you think? Um, should you speak to your child in German once you move to Berlin? Yeah, let's, let me think. Like when I think about the, the different pressures that I feel, like you said, the pressure is do not speak to your child in German because you will ruin their German abilities. I do stand by what I said at the beginning that if there is a shared language between everybody, then you should use the shared language. And in this case, because it's little kids, it's German. I think that it is not necessary to speak to your own child in German. Um, but you should in German as much as possible to other German speakers, if only to show your child it's okay to make mistakes and you will make mistakes and you're still going to progress. And I wish I had done that more. Mm. Um, and I am doing that more now. And I pat myself on the back for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think invite German as much into your home as you feel comfortable, like, definitely have German books, have German language movies or TV shows, but you won't ruin your child's ability to speak the language by speaking in front of them. No way. No, they're going to, they're, they're going they're to immersed. see that you're not they afraid. They are immersed. Right. They're the, going to pick it yeah. up. And the, the other, the other side of it is, which we didn't get into at all. So we can save this for another episode. Spoiler or, te- or teaser, as the Germans say. <laughs> teaser. Yeah. Teaser for the, for something that's upcoming. Like, what does that do to our kids hearing German from us? Because what's happened is that my kids rely on my German and don't speak English to me. And you actually get English back in answers, right? Yeah, I mean, my son and I, he he really likes to have a defined line. He 
says Germans for school and I get to speak English at home because yeah, he really like still feels more comfortable in English and it's a comfort to him and I'm not going to take that away from him but definitely when we have other kids over who speak German other adults yes yeah. we will we we're going to speak German and I think that was an advantage that that Bear had with you and your lack of German in the beginning My kids feel comfortable in German, which is sometimes sad to have children that don't have my language. Uh, I, yeah, I think that would kind of break my heart a little bit. Um, mm. But over time, I think they're, I mean, it's it's so, such an advantage to be bilingual here and they're going to the have enough experiences to speak up. English. Yeah. yeah, They were singing, but they were singing, Vive, Vive, rock you. <laughs> My children, I was like, you guys, you don't have to sing it like like you hear your classmates. Like, well, they get to have their own culture shock experiences eventually. Yeah, that's true. They're It'll be growing experience. We still have a long way to go. We're only at year nine with our children. So this is an ongoing process and we will definitely have more and more to say about this. Oh, but, yes, we will. But it was good to reflect back the first nine years. <laughs> All right. I'll be the same. Tschüss. Yeah. All right. See you next time, Michelle.